Josh here with the IDP show. Now, look, if you know anything about our show, you know we're three mid-30s dads rolling into the So Shack every week at about 9 p.m. to record a fantasy football podcast. We've got kids, we've got jobs, so we are worn out when it comes time to record, which is why I'm excited to share about our newest sponsor. It is Liquid IV, which is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. Y'all, in just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use this first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out. So what do we love about Liquid IV? Convenient packaging, you just rip the top off and pour it into your water, shake it up and you're ready to go. Comes in a bunch of amazing flavors. I love strawberry lemonade and watermelon are my two favorite. And one stick of liquid IV and 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. 12 delicious flavors. I mentioned a couple. They're refreshing. They're going to keep your hydration routine exciting so it's not the same old flavor time and time again. It contains five essential vitamins, y'all. Listen to these B vitamins, B3, 5, 6, 12, and vitamin C. It's got three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks made with premium ingredients. It's non-GMO, free from gluten, dairy, and soy. Liquid IV, they believe that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. So they partner with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated, listen to this y'all, over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. So we are very excited to partner with them. And if you want to try it out, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use our code IDP show at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop better hydration today using promo code IDP show at liquidiv.com. Check it out and tell them the IDP show sent you. This is the IDP After Show. Hello and welcome to the IDP After Show. I'm Jace Abbey and tonight I'm bringing you the week three episode of The Rankings Show. Every Wednesday I look at some of the biggest risers and fallers in my rankings, sharing and comparing my thoughts with a different guest. Our audience is in for a bit of a treat tonight, as I'm happy to say that we have one of our own, uh, the very talented Jeff Pomazal, writer for the IDP show. Jeff, uh, thanks for coming on. We've we've kind of uh, we've kind of collaborated on a few shows before, um, but I think this is the first time that I've I've had you all to myself, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So how how are things? Very good, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. I've uh, you know you're great at what you do, and it's just an honor to be on here with you. So. 
are too kind. But yeah, for sure, it's really really good to have you on. So there was uh, there was quite a few interesting uh, takeaways from the uh, the games last uh, last weekend, wasn't there? There was some sort of standout rookie performances. We saw some uh, surprise starts from some veterans that we've kind of assumed would be a an afterthought, and then we had the the usual sort of slew of injuries as well. Um, it was kind of kind of interesting to see, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think after week two, we start to get a, an idea of where players are kind of falling and schemes that defensive coordinators are tending to use. And, you know, week one is just kind of a, a, a mess for everybody, offensively and defensively. You just don't know where anything's coming from. But by week two, we start to start to start to see some trends and kind of make plans going forward. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So let's let's just try and unpack some of that here and talk about how it's affected our our view of these guys and our, our rankings. Um, so let's start with the uh, the linebackers first. So, uh, what linebacker uh, do you uh, do you have as a riser for for week three? Who do you like? Well, I don't know how much of a riser he is because he's he's near the top already. But uh, I think Quay Walker is just uh, just an outstanding linebacker um, going forward. Here you have him, I think, ranked at like LB4, which is right near the top. Um, you can't, there's not a lot of room for him to grow, but he's well worth the investment and everything that he has. Um, I see him ranked some places as like linebacker 22, even behind Devonta Campbell, which is, I feel, is like blasphemy because um, Walker is just having an outstanding season. I know he did have that touchdown, which inflates his stats a little bit over two weeks, but even without that touchdown, he's really still outscoring very well he's like lb1 even with that touchdown taken away he's like a point behind uh xavier or uh, xavier franklin so um campbell's losing a few snaps on early downs they're taking him off the field and i don't know if that's just a scheme planning or if it's something to try to keep campbell healthy over the the whole season which is something he hasn't really been able to do in the last few years so um, I think Walker coming off his last game, he played 82 snaps and he had 19 tackles. 11 of them were solo. That's like a tackle every four plays. So um, he's literally getting points every drive for you. So, um, yeah, I think he's just super efficient in everything that he does. And I, I feel like he's LB1 this season, but maybe even LB1 in Dynasty at this point. So, yeah. Yeah, we're we're totally in sync on on this one. Like you say, I've got him as as my LB four, one behind uh, Bobby Wagner, and one ahead of uh, of Zaire Franklin. Um, and like you said, I already I already had him ranked pretty high, but after seeing him take over that that every down role from Campbell uh, in week two uh, and delivering a game like he did, um, yeah, I'm I'm now completely sold. Like you said, that that production, uh, nineteen tackles, a QB hit. Uh, three QB hurries and a, and a pass breakup. It's just just incredible production. So, um, you know, we don't we obviously don't expect something like, like that to happen yeah. every week. But I think I think anyone pointing to his week one performance um, and as uh, he had, I think he had an interception and about three or four tackles um, as, as as sort of a, something to detract from from what he's done might be overlooking the fact that he he only played. Uh, sort of sixty six percent of the snaps that week after after suffering the concussion on that interception return. So um, yeah, I also like um, that he has a, a decent matchup against uh, the Saints this weekend. Um, the the Panthers linebackers kind of had a, a field day against uh, against uh, them in week two. Uh, I think Luvu and uh, Rugier Hill who only came in partway through the game. 
uh, for Shaq Thompson. They both they both had huge huge games. So yeah, like you say, I think Walker's um, right up there with the best of them this season, um, and he's going to be one of the best for for years to come. Um, so who's your who's your second guy? Who's your second linebacker that you like? Uh, my second guy is kind of a guy who's um, just kind of came out of nowhere. Robert Spillane of the Las Vegas Raiders, formerly of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, the Steelers brought, or I'm sorry, the Raiders brought in absolutely no one this offseason as far as like free agent signings. They only invested a sixth round pick in uh, Mari Bruni. So just really no investment on that side of the ball. Um, he's rocking the green dot, calling the plays. He hasn't come off the field at all on defense. He's played all 142 snaps for them. He has 20 combined tackles. Um, the one thing that I'm a little leery about is he, he does have six, six missed tackles already this season. And so if you can kind of clean that up a little bit, I think he'd even be more elite. Um, even with those six missed tackles, I'm not a word worried about him losing his job at all i think they have like luke masterson behind him so i there's no no fear of him losing his his role next to divine diablo so um last week just like walker he played a ton of snaps he played 77 snaps last week against the bills he had 14 combined tackles and a sack um, this week he gets pittsburgh which isn't going to be as efficient of an offense so he might not get as close to 77 snaps but i just think his ceiling and his production he's going to well then make up for that so He's, um, I think you have him ranked right near uh, mid LB2 range, LB17. And I'm anything late LB1, early LB2 is kind of where I'm seeing him. I, I really like his upside going forward. Yeah, he started super fast, hasn't he? Um, like you say, I've got him ranked as the, the LB17, um, which is quite a quite a rise from last week where I had him as the LB38. Um, so I kind of wanted to see him hold down that that role for a second week, um, and that's exactly what he did, uh, as you said. Um, like you like you pointed out, he, he kind of missed a bunch of tackles against the uh, the Bills, but but I'm not too concerned about that in the same way of you uh, because you know missed tackles hasn't been something that he struggled with during his career. So I'm I'm quite I'm quite comfortable with the idea that that might be uh, a bit of a, a bit of an anomaly. Um, and there's a there's also a positive way we can look at that isn't there too in the sense that um he had a productive stat line he was really good and as good as it was it could have been even more impressive you know he was in position to make to make those tackles so um yeah i i, I like the call um and uh, and yeah uh, clearly uh, because he's ridden so much in my likings uh, my rankings I'm, I'm 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 pretty keen on him as well so it's kind yeah, of interesting my... look oh sorry no Carol. it's kind of interesting looking at him like where he was this off season, like during the summer, like even like best ball leagues, he was like LB seventies and stuff like that. And slowly over the, you know, the course of the off season, he slowly started to rise. Well, now all of a sudden he's like an LB four or five. Now, you know, like you had him last week, he was an LB three and now he's like an LB two, you know, that that's quite a, quite a trend for him to go from, you know, a back end linebacker. Like you're just picking up maybe to hit. And now all of a sudden he's like a weekly starter for many teams. So yeah, exactly. He's he's one of the guys. I, I in in one of my favorite leagues, my home league actually. Uh, I I kind of punted the linebacker position. Um, I didn't um, I didn't keep any. It's a, it's a dynasty league. I didn't keep any any linebackers at all. Um, and I've 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 kind of worked pretty. I say I've worked hard, but I've I've 
been a bit been a bit shrewd, I guess, in picking up some of these guys like the Spillanes, like the the Grugier Hills, um, Quincy Williams as well. These guys that kind of fly under the radar for most people, um, but who who looked like they might have a a pretty big role uh, going into this season. And I feel pretty stocked to the position right now. Um, and my next guy is another one of those guys who I've who I've kind of dropped a couple of times and picked up a few times. But uh, Nicholas Morrow for me, it's not a it's not a sexy pick, right? Um, and we may, we know he might only have value until uh, Nakobe Dean returns, um, but I've got him ranked as the LB thirty seven for week three. That's that's one behind uh, Cody Barton and one ahead of uh, Quincy Williams. Um, you know the Eagles kind of uh, threw us a curveball last weekend, didn't they? Um, I think most of us expected Christian Ellis to to be given the nod. Uh, to replace Dean alongside uh, Zach Cunningham, um, especially considering the the Eagles kept Ellis on the 53-man roster and had to bring up Morrow from the practice squad after uh, demoting him just a few weeks back. But it was, you know, as we know, it was it was Morrow who got the nod, um, and he not only leapfrogged uh, Ellis, but he also led the unit with a 95% snap share, which was which is pretty surprising to me, you know. He didn't. He didn't light things up. He only had uh, something like three tackles. Um, yeah, QB hit as well. Um, but that that should be, I think, nearer his floor than his ceiling until until Dean returns. Um, and uh, yeah, like some of the other guys we were just talking about, I like I like Morrow's matchup this weekend as well. Um, and and Cunningham for that that matter. We saw how the how the Bears linebackers did when playing against Tampa last weekend, Tremaine Edmonds and, uh, and TJ Edwards combined for like 20, 26 combined tackles. Um, and obviously Ivan Pace had a big game against the, against the Bucks in week one too. So yeah, quite a lot to like about Morrow um, for, you know, in the short term at least. Um, so yeah, he's my number two. He's got, he was worth a green dot too, I thought, right? He was, he was going You're right. Place. Yeah. 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 Kind of surprising, but um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know where they're at with him. You know, like I say, demoting him and then promoting him again. Um, what they think of Ellis, I'm not sure. Doesn't seem to be as as they don't seem to be as keen as as we were thinking they were um, coming into this season. But um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not complaining. <laughs> like I say, I've got a ton of morrow everywhere, and I'm I'm, I'm happy to reap the rewards for the next couple of weeks. Um, and let's see what happens when when Dean gets back. I've, I've, you've got to assume it's going to be Dean and, and Cunningham, but. Um, yeah, like I say, they've yeah. been thrown as curveballs, so I wouldn't rule anything mm-hmm. out. Yeah, he's kind of like as a former or another podcaster once said, he's kind of like Mom's meatloaf, right? He just kind of <laughs> comes in and does his thing, and you're you're satisfied at the end of the day with his production. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's not, he's not, he's not like I said before, he's not a sexy pick. I had him, I had him most of last last season as well on a number of teams, and he, he's that he was that guy that I, I don't think he missed a single snap all year nope. or close to it. I didn't really do a huge amount, but he, yeah, those those every down linebackers are, are not easy to come by. So as an LB three, I was I was quite happy to sort of kind of plug him in and just yeah watch him watch him run up the scores. Uh, run up the scores has probably been a bit kind to him, but yeah, watch him exist is probably a better way of describing it. Um, so who uh, who do you Did have? Last, as your... Didn't oh sorry, didn't Morrow finish last season as close to LB one? range i mean he did play every single snap i think he was pretty close like in that range like he racked up a ton of tackles for the bears so 
Yeah, maybe I'm being maybe I'm not giving him his credit. Um, to my mind, he was he was he was kind of subpar, but um, but yeah, um, maybe because of the fact he didn't miss uh, any snaps and played full time all year, um, maybe his finish was was better than I remember. Maybe it was the points per game that I'm yeah. that I'm a bit a bit a bit uh, a bit sore about. But um, hey, yeah, there we go. So, um, who's your who's, who's your third third linebacker that you like this week? I actually don't have a third backer, third linebacker I like this week. I know you have a third one. I'm actually more of a pessimist than you are. You're pretty optimistic. So you got three you like, and I got three I don't like. So who is your okay. third that you like? And then we'll go back here. Okay. Yeah. No, it's all good. So yeah, I've got Henry two hundred two hundred as my as my third guy. Um, now I ri- I originally had him as uh, uh, my number fifty linebacker in my rankings, but he did slide out um, to make room for for Troy Anderson, who looks like he's he's going to play in week three, or looks like he has a shot to play in week three. But um, but yeah, I mean two or two. His his usage kind of skyrocketed last week, up from thirty four percent in week uh, week one to eighty one percent in in week two, essentially replacing uh, Christian Harris as the as the Texans LB two. Uh, behind uh, Denzel Perriman, um, a rare a rare moment of kind of self self congratulation as I I mentioned Harris as a as a follow in uh, in last week's episode. Um, but yeah, it's either it's either great for two o two o that D'Amico Ryan's trusts him so early in his career, or it's a really bad look for Christian Harris um, that Ryan's patience has worn so so thin so quickly, despite the suggestions that you know we kept hearing about how how Harris was was ready to take that sort of step forward in in year two. Perhaps perhaps the truth lies somewhere between those two. Um, but yeah, you know, Perriman didn't practice on on Wednesday, so that's uh, I'm not sure the reason, but that's something that could help two o two o see even more opportunities this week. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm I'm just encouraged to see a rookie guy get get such a big slice of the pie so early in his in his career. Um, but I'm not getting too carried away. Um, I want to see that kind of continue uh, for another week, another couple of weeks before I recommend him anywhere near that sort of LB3, LB, LB4 category. So he's unranked. Um, so it's not really fair to call him a, a riser, um, but he's 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 someone that I'm I'm kind of bearing in mind as someone who might be there in future weeks if his usage continues as it did last week. I, I'm totally with you. I had him this week in my waiver wired ad article. He was my one of my top linebackers to add this week because of that reason. Him and Christian Harris basically just swipped, uh, split, swap, or swapped out snaps from one week one to week two. They almost played identical games, um, comparison for snap count and. Uh, 202 had like what seven or eight combined tackles in the game playing 81 percent or 46 of the 57 snaps or something like that that's pretty good pretty good production on the day so yeah yeah really good um and i do have it's not a specific player as such but i kind of wanted to mention some of last week's injury replacements uh, you know all of whom kind of played a uh, a pretty big role uh, in place of the usual starters so there's there's sort of kenneth murray filling in for eric kendricks uh for the Chargers, and sort of nick neiman taking on that that sort of murray role uh you had nate landman of the falcons replacing uh troy anderson and then obviously camu uh, grugier hill uh, stepping in for for Shaq Thompson uh, for the Panthers. Um, as far as rankings for those guys are concerned, I've I've got all four guys either unranked or in the low low forties. Um, 
and all are subject to change uh, as injury updates on those starters becomes available with with the exception of, uh, of KGH as we know Thompson's out long term so I wanted to mention them because I wanted to just remind uh, the audience to check on the injury status of those guys you know specifically Kendricks and Troy Anderson closer to the weekend and be ready to 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 slot some of those uh, replacements into your lineups if you're in need of a linebacker so yeah not really a specific guy but more a collection of guys i guess um so i think we're ready to talk about the the fallers um the guys we don't like this week um who is your who is your first guy i've got some pretty big names on this list um some really underperforming studs who you took pretty early or had to take pretty early and just aren't really performing at this time and a lot of the names that we mentioned as our risers you could have had super late and super cheap and are putting up in some places double what these guys are producing so my first my first dud is going to be nick bolton um yeah he's he's highly ranked everywhere um i see that you have him as a late lb1 right now um even higher in a lot of other places and i think that has a lot to do with his name value and recognition right now um production just hasn't been there he only has nine uh solo tackles and six assists on the year he has no big splash plays no interceptions no forced fumbles nothing like that right now um he also showed up on the injury report today with an ankle injury so i don't know if that's something to kind of monitor going forward if i don't know if he's going to miss any time with it or anything like that but um i have him more as like a mid lb2 right now um just until he starts producing i wanted to ask you if someone offered you like a, a jordan brooks dre greenlaw ish type player and maybe like a later a pick like a second or a third what side would you be on hey i i would probably stick with bolton for now um and now the reasons why is i'm i'm just not i'm not overly concerned with with what we've seen or what we haven't seen from from bolton just yet um like you say he's kind of been dealing with an ankle injury this week so i'm kind of i'm i'm curious as to whether or not that played a part and i, th- I saw um saw somebody on on uh, on x it might have been nate nate marker mentioned that um the rotation may have been planned due to the humidity and the chiefs trying to avoid players from from cramping up um so yeah i'm not as concerned as you uh when it comes to bolton um and i'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of trying to trying to remind myself we're just two games in and things could could change very quickly uh, for him. Um, so yeah, that's the kind of the reason why I've kept him as my LB ten. Um, and while that is slightly lower than than I had him last week, I think I had him as like the LB four or five last week. I still view him as a, as an LB one. Um, but yeah, I understand your concerns. It's definitely something I want to keep an eye on um, this week and. Uh, and possibly a, a week or two after that, once he's fully healthy uh, and clear of this uh, this ankle injury. So yeah, I'd, I'd, in that in that sort of offer you mentioned now, I'd probably I'd probably still stick with uh, with Bolton for now. Yeah, I, I just it was just an offer that I, someone in our league was throwing out, and I was just kind of curious. I'm like, mm, you know, you're getting really good production right now with Jordan Brooks or Dre Greenlaw, like they're like very much producing especially Greenlaw after his last week he had an outstanding week too um, but then just that I didn't know if that pick was enough to kind of tilt it because I, I still view Bolton like you do as a, a high-end LB1 it's just like at some point like mm, we need to see some production you know so I was just yeah picking the brain of the the genius so oh you know again <laughs> you're way way too kind you've got me confused with someone else yeah the, the, I'm, I'd be more inclined um 
uh, with the Greenlaw option than I would with the, the Brooks option because um, both guys are productive, but Greenlaw's actually a good player too. So I wouldn't have any concerns about, you know, further down the line, assuming this, you know, maybe this is a dynasty league. I, I wouldn't be concerned that um, that Greenlaw would would lose a role or that his role would diminish. I know Brooks has a lot of fans. He's, you know, he's super productive. Um, I've got him, I've got him ranked quite highly again, um, or this week. Um, now he's, now he's fully healthy, but yeah, Greenlaw's just the superior player for me. So that, that's a closer one. Greenlaw for, for Bolton. Who do you have as um, your fade? So your first. Yeah. So my, my first guy is, uh, is Alex, Alex Singleton. Um, I've got him, I've got him way down at uh, 46, uh, one behind, uh, Shaq Leonard and one ahead of, uh, the Leighton van der Esch. Um, now I think, you know, I, I could be a week, uh, maybe two weeks, three weeks too early with this one. Um, but I'm concerned we're going to see a, a gradual move away from Singleton towards, uh, maybe Drew Sanders, um, or maybe, uh, maybe it's just going to just going to be Jewel going to be that hundred percent guy, and it's going to be a mixture of the other two behind him. Um, he came off the field quite often against the Commanders, uh, as uh, as the Broncos kind of utilized that single uh, uh, linebacker look uh, more often, and 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 Jewel was the guy that kind of dominated the snap share. Um, Singleton only played like sixty four percent of the of the snaps, and that's that's his smallest snap share in the last seven games, dating back to to week twelve of last year. Um, you know, I know he's been one of the most efficient tacklers at the position uh, in previous years, and and that's kind of insulated us against this idea, against the fact uh, even that he's not an every down linebacker most weeks he was for for peerage last 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 year but he wasn't an every down linebacker every week so you know um he he's got a talented rookie waiting in the wings behind him and, and sanders only saw a handful of snaps last week um but as i say i think sanders role will continue to expand as he becomes more comfortable and i think singleton might be the guy that starts to to lose out so, yeah, I'm gonna. I'd, I'd still start Singleton as a, an LB three or an LB four, but I think I think his fantasy managers need to need to keep a real close eye on the um, let's call it the division of labor to steal <laughs> steal Mike Tomlin's term um, between Singleton and Sanders uh, going forward. And it's funny that you mentioned Singleton because my next guy that I'm fading is his, his running mate in Josie Jewell right now. Uh, again, he's playing a ton of snaps. He's got 120 snaps that he's played this year, but he only has like 15 tackles. And again, he's just zero splash plays, no no turnovers, just no extra bonus plays or anything like that. Not even a single quarterback hurry, I don't think, to this point. So if you looked up the definition of jag in the dictionary, there might actually be a picture of Josie Jewell there. Um, and I kind of had the same reason to fade or not like Jewel that you thought was Sanders too. Like I just see Sanders, they they have a decent draft capital invested in. Um, he's, he like more than doubled his snaps from week one to week two. So I just, eventually I can see him getting on the field more at the expense of either Singleton, like you said, or, you know, maybe even Jewel. But um, I see that you have like Jewel ranked as like LB20 right now. Um, I've seen him as high as like LB11. And I just don't see the return in in him in his play at this point and 
the the Broncos defense, the Broncos as a team, I think are trying to find their identity. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on between Peyton and Russell Wilson, and I just think that that team is kind of looking for an identity. They're kind of like the Chicago Bears of the, the AFC right now, in my opinion. So they're just trying to figure that out. So I've got Jewel closer to a LB3 than I do um, a higher or mid LB2 right now. So, But kind of the same reasons you mentioned with Sanders. I just I think he's going to be the future there. So, Yeah, you make, you make some fat points. Um, and yeah, you know, um, it, like you said, some of the some of the things I said about about Singleton and the threat of Drew Sanders could could very easily apply to to, to Jewel too. Um, and and one point thinking about it, one point that might back up your argument more than mine is that Singleton's under contract uh, with no clear out until twenty twenty five, whereas uh, Jewel I think is only under contract for this year. So um, they might. If they, you know, they might start to make plans um, to be without Jewel, uh, in which case um, he might be the guy to lose out. But yeah, that that snap share between the three guys is something I'm keeping a really close eye on. Um, week two, it looked like Jewel would be the the guy um, for the foreseeable, and Singleton might lose out. But you know, things change, and things change fast. So let's let's see how this goes. Not for long, right? Isn't that what the NFL stands for? So. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's it. Who's the uh, the second linebacker that uh, that you're you're fading this week? I got Bobby Okereke for the Giants. Um, again, he's kind of fitting into the same mold as these other guys, playing a lot of snaps. He's out there all the time. He's highly ranked. He was people are investing a lot in at the beginning of the season to, to acquire them for their team, but just hasn't had the production yet. Um, the the Giants defense as a whole is just kind of meh right now. Like. They haven't generated any sacks as a defensive unit at all, the defensive linemen or linebackers. Um, the only guy that's really even kind of shining right now is the safety, Jason Panak. And other than that, like Okereke has 13 tackles and a forced fumble in two games. And that's not what you invested to have him on your team to do. He was expected to be coming from Indianapolis. He was going to be like the reincarnation of Blake Martinez when he played for the Giants. And we just haven't seen that from him. Um, yeah, like I said, he's just kind of that whole defensive unit is just not what we thought it was going to be. You know, preseason, they look great. The end of last season, they looked really great. It looked like that team was really the, the team to beat maybe in the NFC East, and they're they're not. So, yeah. Yeah, like you say, he's he's he's, he's some way behind the, the leaders at the uh, the position uh, in tackles this year. And we're, you know, we're, we're quite right to question why that is. I'm a, you know, I'm a little concerned too, but he's he's still playing every down. Um, and that and that Giants defense hasn't hasn't been playing as many defensive snaps as some of the other teams. Um, uh, I noted that he's tied for 31st in total snaps uh, at the linebacker position with 122, compared with the tackle leader uh, Zaire Franklin. Um, he's got he's had 154 snaps. So yeah, you know that's that's like 32 additional snaps, which after two games is is quite significant. I just I just wonder whether things will level out a little bit. Um, in that sense, as the Giants' D catches up a little bit in in playing time, um, you know. With that said, um, Akereke has fallen in my rankings from LB eleven to LB sixteen this week, so I don't I don't think we're too far apart with our thinking. I'm just I'm giving him a, a bit of a uh, it's a bit of an excuse, I guess, but I'm 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 kind of giving him a bit, a bit of a leeway in the sense that he's just not played as many snaps as those as those leaders in tackles at the linebacker position. It's interesting that the the player or where he came from 
in Indianapolis. Now the player that replaced him is kind of like the new Bobby Okereke for this year. Because last year it was obviously Franklin had a great season last year, but that was kind of more to do with Shaq Thompson's or uh, Shaq Leonard's injury. But it's just interesting how the the guy who replaced Okereke is now the new Okereke. So. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And they just seem to keep churning out those linebackers in, uh, in Indianapolis, don't they? Um, EJ Speed, EJ Speed, uh, go get him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Franklin came from nowhere and Karake came from nowhere. And yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's interesting. Um, so the the next guy, uh, uh, interesting we're talking about the Colts, the next guy that I'm fading this week is is Shaquille Leonard. Um, so he's dropped for me to to 46, one behind uh, Terrell Bernard and one ahead of, of Singleton. Um, so the guys kind of covered some of this on the IDP show week two recap. Um, and I agree with their, their assessment that Leonard just, he just doesn't look like the same sort of impact guy that we've seen in, in years, years gone by. Um, there's, there's a chance that his snap count, um, it's kind of been suffering. Um, he kind of been recovering from, from yet another injury, had that concussion in the preseason, but you'd think by this point he'd be, he'd be over that. Um, and so, yeah, um, it's it, it also doesn't work in his favor that the other Colts linebackers are taking advantage of, the, of their kind of opportunities. Like like, he's, like we talked about, Franklin is 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 flying. EJ Speed is, is you know, he's impressing everybody. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's probably too early to panic with, with Leonard too much. Um, and believe me, I'd, I'd love to see him kind of return to, to, to his former glory. But I, I need to see it happen again before I have any sort of confidence in, in ranking him more highly than I do. Um, and you know, it just feels like, it feels like such a long time ago that he was, he was that guy, right? Yeah. It had, it had to be like three or four seasons ago that he was like, just set the world on fire and like just reset the whole linebacker market. And then since then, you know, injuries of, you know, he had the back stuff and he was out for a season and he came back and then it was a hamstring. And then it was like you said, this off season, it was the concussion and he just, you know, what is he in his seventh or eighth season? I think just things are starting to catch up to him and he just hasn't been that same player that he was, you know, back in his prime. We all can relate, but. <laughs> oh yeah. Believe me. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'd, I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him come back and be great again. Uh, I'm just, I'm just not, not nearly as confident uh, about the fact that that might happen as I was even a year ago. So we'll move on to the uh, defensive line then. So uh, who, who do you like this week? Who do you love this week uh, on I... the defensive line? I'm not alone in my love for George Karloftis this week. Um, I know that he's just won the hearts and souls and minds of IDP managers everywhere. Um, in game one, he had three hurries and zero sacks. Uh, the Chiefs realized that they needed to have Chris Jones back. They signed him. And in game two, he came back and he had three hurries and then two sacks right away. And so I just think that that Chris Jones effect just ripples through the whole defense and really um, kind of sets the tone. He draws attention. Karloftis is able to to get home on a couple sacks in week two where he didn't get home to in week one. Um, he's playing a ton of snaps. They have a high draft capital into him. He's played 112 snaps in just the two games. I think getting Kelsey back on that offensive side is going to be some positive game script for that offense. I think that that offense obviously runs through Kelsey. He didn't look good last week and it, you know, the Chiefs' offense didn't look good last week as well. I think he gets healthier. That offense get, starts scoring some points, and then teams have to throw the ball. And I think that just leaves leaves chances for Karloftis to just tee off and get some more pass run. Um, the reason I really like him is that he gets the Bears this weekend. Um, the Bears have given up 
um, four sacks already. And they have three offensive linemen who have allowed six or more pressures through two games. So between yeah. three of their five offensive linemen, it's it's a sieve. And, you know, guys like Chris Jones and Karloftis are just – and Dana, are, I think they're going to have a, a, a great week against that, that Bears, Bears offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like the call. I agree with all your reasoning. Um, you know, Carl Aftis lines up on that that left edge more often than not, doesn't he? So he'll be going up against uh, Darnell Wright, who's been one of the one of the poorer guys on that poor offensive line of the Bears. Um, you know, Fields just gets sacked for fun. So yeah, it could be a could be a big week for for Carl Aftis uh, again this week. I will say I, I still think he's got room to grow as a, as a pass rusher. And I say that as if that's some surprise, you know, he's only in year two. Um, I'm a little bit behind others in, in where he's at in that journey. Um, but I, I, I believe he'll get there. Um, and, um, and yeah, you know, uh, another week against uh, another big week um, in, a, in an easy matchup um, will we'll go a long way to, to, to making me a believer. So yeah, I, I, I know this I is like an IDP it. show. I know it's an IDP show, but do you feel that like Fields is trying to prove that he's a, a pocket passer and just holding on to the ball too long than just be an athlete and go make plays? Because I, th- you know, I think some of the the Bears' offensive line woes falls on Fields too, and I just don't know if he's trying to prove everyone like, hey, I'm a passer, and maybe that's what's giving these defenses chances to tee off on him and making his offensive line look worse than they really are. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, I, I think I, I kind of saw briefly. I saw a, a, a press a press conference where he was talking about how he something along the lines. I'm not going to uh, don't quote me on this because I might be a little off, but something about how he wasn't. He didn't feel like he was being himself, playing his own his own game. He was a bit robotic almost, um, going through the motions. So I feel like I feel like once he gets his feet under him, he he will improve. Uh, I think he can only improve. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, I'm not a massive believer. Let's 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 put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I don't um, have any shares anywhere. Do you? I do not. No, no, I uh, uh, I don't. No, most of the leagues I'm in, uh, you know, they reward they reward rushing rushing yards and rushing touchdowns for for QBs, um, but. Uh, not not overly so. Um, if 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 there was a league I was in where uh, we we rewarded those those kind of uh, stats in, uh, higher than the average, then I'd be more keen. But yeah, no, I'm I'm not 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 big on fields. Um, so my my first guy, my my riser uh, on the on the defensive line this week is is Carl Granderson. Um, I've got him as my edge twenty five or my my DL thirty five, one behind. Uh, Deron Payne, who I might have to move down, so he's 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 banged up at the moment, and one ahead of uh, Joe Tryon Shiinka. Um, so I was I was um, initially a bit skeptical about about Grandison. I'll be honest; he's one of those guys who had been producing sacks at a, a decent rate, but he he kind of it appeared to be unsustainable given his pressure rate. But I'm I'm pretty open minded. And that's kind of uh, an approach that's been helping me quite a lot in fantasy over the years. Um, you know, having these opinions, having these beliefs, but but also being open or being open to the idea that you should change your mind if you see something different. So that's kind of what I've seen in in Grandison. So this year, through two games, 
He's got three sacks. He's tied for fourth amongst all edge rushers in pressure. And his win rate is uh, an impressive 25%. You know, Granderson, his, 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 his snap share is also really healthy. 75% week one, 73% week two. It's really good for an edge rusher. And I think with uh, with Peyton Turner out, with, uh, with a turf toe uh, injury that required surgery, I can see the Saints kind of continuing to lean on, on Granderson. So, yeah, really like the guy. I think it does come with one caveat. The, the Saints play the, the Packers this weekend. Um, and um, Grandison, one of Grandison's main opponents would be David Bakhtiari if Bakhtiari plays. But um, obviously Bakhtiari missed week two with a knee injury that's been bothering him for, for some time. So um, we know Bakhtiari is elite in pass protection and that would mean a very difficult matchup for Grandison if uh, if, if he was able to play. So, uh, but yeah, if, if Bakhtiari can't go or if he's if he's struggling but still plays, then then yeah, Grandison's matchup improves uh, you know considerably. Um uh, the seventh round rookie that played in uh, Bakhtiari's stead, Rashid Walker. He kind of looked good against the Falcons um, last week. Um, but yeah, those, those Falcons edge rushes are, are nothing special at all. Nothing on, on Granison's level anyway. Yeah, and the Packers do a lot to get rid of the ball quickly out of Love's hands too. They do a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of quick quick hitters just to kind of help him out. Obviously, if he only had 157 yards passing in the game or something like that, that's yeah, that's, uh, not a lot of holding on the ball long deep routes. So, yep, that's very true. Good point. Good point. Um, so, who's your second uh, second defensive lineman that you uh, you're keen on this week? I I've been obsessed with Harrison Phillips the last couple of weeks. Uh, defensive tackle for the Minnesota Vikings. He's just getting a ton of play right now. He's got 120 snaps in two games. His career high for snaps was 738 snaps uh, three years ago. And at his current pace, he's going to crush that by week 13. And as you know, like volume is king in IDP. Like if you're playing a ton of snaps, you're going to be getting points. And right now he's just playing a ton of snaps. Um, He's got an extremely high tackle floor. And he's he's scoring well right now without a lot of big splash plays. Like he he doesn't have he, I think he's got like one sack, but he's doing this all with tackles. And those those sacks and those forced fumbles will be coming. Like you know you, you play this many snaps, you're gonna you're gonna run into some sacks and things like that. And so he's doing all of this without those. And I just can't imagine his scores once he starts getting a couple of those sprinkled in over the next few weeks. Um, his PFF scores, like you mentioned before, are some really nice shades of green. Um, and there's not a lot of green things right now in Wisconsin and Minnesota, like with the turning fall. And to see that green on his PFF grades is, is awesome. And they're, they're in great spots too, like in his overall, his run defense and his tackling are all super, super high scoring right now. Uh, Daniil Hunter is going to be commanding a lot of pressure, or not, sorry, Daniil Hunter is going to be commanding a lot of attention, especially after he is off to a hot start. He has four sacks. Um, so he's going to be drawing some attention. That's going to free up Phillips a little bit. And if you're playing in a league where defensive tackles are required, Phillips is like probably one of the most elite options you can have right now this season. He's he's easily a D tackle one, you know. And so if he's playing in defensive, just defensive lineman leagues and he's scoring this well, I can only imagine what he's doing in defensive tackle leagues. So, yeah, yeah, I like it. I I probably overlooked um, Phillips in my week one rankings, I didn't have him ranked. Um, I don't think anyone um, did. <laughs> no, um, but he's now my he's now my DT sixteen um, heading into uh, to week three. Um, he's he's got a really 
one of the things I like about him, he's got a really healthy snap share. Um, I talk about it a lot, but like you say, volume is king. You can't you can't score points unless you're on the field, right? So he's got a really healthy snap share for, uh, for an interior defensive lineman, and in that sense, he's kind of he's kind of closer to the likes of um, sort of Aaron Donald or, or Zach Allen than he is someone like. Uh, uh, Quinn and Williams, um, and that helps him, like you say, rack up the kind of tackle volume that we're that we're seeing. It's 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 fantastic. Um, and I will point out though that he's kind of one of those guys that you need to you need to look at your your league scoring. He's either really good, um, or if you if you fade tackle scoring a little bit, um, then he he might not be quite where you want him to be. He is a bit limited as a pass rusher, but like you say, that that tackle volume alone gives him a, a really safe weekly floor. Uh, and I think in, in DT required leagues um, that do score tackles reasonably well, he's he's at least uh, a solid DT two. I'm open minded um, to, to 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 increasing um, his his placing in the, in my rankings, but uh, but yeah, really like what I see. Agree with everything you said. Uh, so my my second guy is also a DT, and it's uh, Javon Hargrave. Um, so he's my uh, DT three, uh, one behind Quinn and Williams this week, and one ahead of uh, Joey Bosa. Um, so yeah, Hargrave's had a really uh, solid start to the season uh, for his new team. Um, currently tied in seventh amongst all interior defensive linemen with seven pressures, uh, and his win rate really impressive, thirty one percent. Um, but what I like about uh, Hargrave this week in particular is that he's facing the the Giants, and we saw, uh, you know, we all saw what the Cowboys did to that that offensive line in the uh, opening game of the season. Seven sacks, two of which came from interior guys, uh, Osa Odegazua, uh, and yeah, the that again that that interior of that offensive line could be could be depleted this week because um i think they've got a guard who suffered a concussion last weekend i forget his name um i really think they're going to have their hands full with hargrave this week i think he's a fantastic player he's got a nice matchup he's in form there's a lot to like yeah and especially if barkley doesn't play that that offense is going to be much more limited to what they're going to be capable of doing you know they don't have to worry about the the passing game from the running backs as much and i just think that just makes the the game much simpler for an already amazing defense so yeah. yep agreed um so let's talk about some of the guys we don't like um who who do you have uh amongst defensive linemen that you don't like for week three uh one of the guys I really am kind of fading across the across many of my leagues right now is Hassan Reddick. Um, he had a monstrous 2022, as we all know. He had led the league with 21 sacks. He had uh, 53 hurries, last creepy hurries, on 12, 512 snaps, and that was good for uh, uh, almost an 11% pass rushing efficiency. So he was getting quite a quite a bit of pressure on the quarterbacks with the snaps this year he has five hurries on 72 pass rushing attempts which is a little less than six percent so he's he's almost lost like 50 percent of his pass rushing um we we both know that like sacks are kind of a fluky and unpredictable stat anyway um but that was where he made his bread and butter last year and he's just not he's just not having any of that this year um that defensive line or that whole defensive unit is just kind of an embarrassment of riches like he that the defensive line is just outstanding he's actually ranked sixth on their defensive line alone in pass rushing efficiency so not not in the league on his own team so that just kind of goes to show how deep that defensive line is 
and they're they're heavily rotating players this year whereas last year he was probably getting a little more run and snap counts where this year much more of a heavy rotation you can't really blame the the injury that he had in the preseason because it was a thumb injury and i don't know how much a thumb has to do with pass rushing efficiency apparently it has a lot to do with it so um i just feel that like uh a, a defensive end or defensive tackle or defensive end, excuse me, like Reddick, where you took him. And right now uh, he's pretty highly ranked right around late one, early two range. I've kind of got him almost closer to the, the three, the DL three D lineman, 27, 28 range. So um, if I had him and I'm looking to move him, if I, if I have that opportunity, so yeah, I think you're you're echoing echoing the thoughts of a lot of people out there at the minute. Like you say, he's one of those those uh, edge rushes that that people took super high in drafts. Probably probably amongst that that group or the top of that group behind those elite sort of five um, that we often talk about, um, and we're not seeing the return. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of us that that are concerned with with what we've seen or what we haven't seen from from Reddick so far this year. I'm not ready to move him in the leagues that i've got him in um i think i'll be selling him at his uh at, at, his, at a low um and I, i'm kind of looking forward to seeing how he does against some uh some right tackles who aren't quite as good as uh brian o'neill um uh, the vikings who we played against last week um I forget the name of the Bucks right tackle that he's playing this weekend. Second year, second year guy. Um, he started the year pretty well. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of, I'm kind of playing the waiting game with with Reddick and and hoping that um, that this is the week where he starts to um, put it all together. Um, but yeah, uh, I do. Ha- I have lowered him in my rankings. He's my DL nineteen or edge fifteen this week um i forget exactly where i had him last week it was near a sort of dl7 dl6 territory i think um so yeah i'm I'm not quite as concerned but yeah i'm still worried are you at all concerned Um, like with the rotation with with that the that phillies unit right now because i mean they're they're like just extremely loaded you know even like nolan smith is starting to get a little more run now in week two like and that has to come at someone's expense you know so i don't know just what are your thoughts? Yeah, on? A, a little. I don't. I don't think he's playing. Uh, uh, I don't think his snap share is that much lower than it was at times last year. I know he played. Uh, he had a bigger snap share in the second half of last year, but I think he's somewhere around that 60, 60 you have to, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think it's something like 67, 68% on average this year, whereas last year it was just above seventy. Um, but so, so no, I'm not. I'm not as concerned about the snap share. I'm more concerned about what will happen to that snap share if he continues to be ineffective. Like you say, they've got they've got other guys there now. Um, they they always have. Josh Sweat's playing really well, and he's seeing a, a greater snap share than he's used to seeing. Um, Nolan Smith waiting in the wings. Um, you know, they got a couple of veterans still there who who were really productive last year. So, yeah, I'm 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 not as concerned with what I've seen in the first two games as far as snap share is concerned. I'm more concerned about what will happen going forward if things don't change all right who do you got on yours who's your fit for spade yeah first fade for me is uh we talked about the the giants defensive line or you did uh so cave on cave on thibodeau um he's my my edge 38 
uh, on my DL28, one behind uh, Gregory Russo and one ahead of Samson Ebucam. So I've got him I've got him here for a, a number of reasons. Um, firstly, you know, he's had a really slow start. He's only had a couple of pressures, four tackles, and, and obviously no sacks um, in, in two games. And while I, I do think he's going to find his feet at some point, he's too good. Um, not to. Um, I think he might find life really difficult this weekend against the uh, the 49ers. He lines up on the, the right edge more often than not. Uh, and Trent Williams, you know, as we all know, is is as good as any uh, at the position, possibly, you know, the best. He's allowed only two sacks in the last two seasons. Um, Thibodeau also lines up on the other edge occasionally um, where he'll find life much, much easier. Um, but yeah, as I say, by and large, he's going to be going up against Trent Williams. Don't like the matchup. Don't like how he's playing. It's just not a situation that I want to get too invested in for week three. I totally agree. And he was my next guy up. So great minds must think alike. It, it pains me to put him on this list because I was so high on him after the, the finish of last season, the last three games of last season, we just saw those glimpses and those flashes of why he went so high in the draft. And, you know, I think he had like, didn't he have like a 30 or 40 point game to end the season? Like it was just, it was just nuts. And then even in the preseason, he, he had flashes, he had a sack and very limited snaps. And it was like, this is it. This is the breakout year. And then, like you said, we're two games in and he's got four tackles. He's got like a QB hurry or something like that. And last week he, he laid a, a zero, you know, in some league scoring. And it was just like, you can't, you can't have that, you know, especially with a guy like w- with the, the, the draft capital and the tout that you put into Thibodeau, you just, you can't take zeros in your lineups. And like you said, until he proves otherwise, he's, he, you can't trust him. So, and the, like yeah. you said, the matchup this week is not the one to probably turn it around. That's it. Uh, you know, he's, he's another guy for me, though. Um, you know, we, we did invest so much in him where we have him um, that, you know, you can you can drop him from your lineup if you've got better options, but you're kind of stuck with him on your roster. And that's I don't think that's a bad thing because I think his value will will recover. He's, he's, he's clearly not going to play this poorly all year. Um, I think I saw Aziz Ojolari is out this week as well. Um, so, you know, that they, they, they're not turning to anybody else. Um, we've just got to play the waiting game. I'm sure he'll recover in time. I just don't think it's going to be this weekend. Yeah, and he's played a ton of snaps. He has 102 snaps this season, by far the most on the Giants' defensive line. So, like you said, he's not losing snaps. They're not going to not play him. But he just, at some point, he's got to get some run and make some plays. And, you know, like between him and Riddick, you know, I know you did a lot of best ball drafts. Those guys were going, like, at the turn, like that 12-13 turn pretty pretty yep. consistently. And for them to have that kind of investment and both of them kind of laying eggs already in the season, it's it's not a good look. You know, it's not good for, for managers right now, so... No, it isn't. It isn't. You're right. Um, so who's the uh, second defensive lineman who, who you're fading week three? It was him. It was Thibodeau. I had Thibodeau and okay. then, uh, Riddick. So. Got you. Got you. So my my second is, uh, and this will be a bit of a contentious one, uh, it's it's Joe Tryon Trienka. Um So I've got him as my edge 26 or my DL 36, one behind Carl uh, Granderson and one ahead of Gregory Russo. <laughs> Like I say, it may seem like a bit of an odd call at first, given how he he played last last weekend. Had um, must be one of the most productive games of his career with with six pressures and and a couple of sacks. But but matchup matters. Uh, last week he was playing against the Bears, uh, and as we talked about earlier, the Bears not been very good in pass pro. Uh, Justin Fields hasn't really helped himself out. Um, 
Braxton Jones, yeah, uh, another another guy on the offensive line who who just hasn't acquitted himself well. Uh, Forty pressures and, and seven sacks Jones allowed in 2022. This weekend, uh, Joe Troyanchienko faces Lane Johnson, who's allowed uh, seven sacks uh, in the last six years. So yeah, um, I'm I'm just not keen on on his matchup. It's it's as simple as that. The, the Eagles are a third in, in rushing attempts and 26th in passing attempts so far. I know I know the game scripts have, have influenced those those figures, skewed those figures, but they're the favorites against the Bucks. And I think we could see them playing with a lead again, which might limit pass rush opportunities for Tryon Shuyinka. So yeah, I mean, you know what, well, it's 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 brave or, or foolish to bet against a guy who's coming off a career game. I just don't like his chances of a repeat performance this weekend. Yeah, I'm with you. And I know somewhere J- Jake Colhagen just died a little bit when you said his name was on the fade list. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Like it for all those same reasons. It's hard like to 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 mock a guy or take a guy down after having such a great week. But like you said, matchups matter. And a guy that's given up fewer sacks than Trent Williams did, you know, the reason we're fading Thibodeau this week, not only poor production, but he's going up against like maybe the best in class. And, you know, Lane Johnson's not a slouch either. And for him to to only give up six sacks, like one a season, it's probably not the weekend that's going to happen for another one. So, yeah, yeah, uh, it's, it's a tough call, but um, but I'm but I've got thick skin. So if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll be on here next week admitting admitting my mistake. I promise. This is a safe place. It's a safe place. <laughs> um, so are we ready to move on to the defensive backs? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, who are your DB risers for week three? I am all in on Javon Holland for the Miami Dolphins. Um, he's leading the league right now in tackles by safety with 23 combined tackles he's played 152 snaps which is also leading the league at the position um his positive game script the dolphins offense has just been playing outstanding so i think he gets a lot of um opportunities to make big plays whether it's in the passing game or rushing the quarterback i think that positive game strip has a a, an impact on him that way he's currently in a lot of places like db18 mid but i could easily take him 10 spots higher he's he's a a safe db1 in my opinion right now Um, his pff scores are like super dark green and almost blue in some areas which is amazing for efficiency across the board i don't think there's a metric where he's not like in the top 10 right now across the board he's just playing outstanding ball he's he's locked in and he's just playing really really well so yeah i I love this call um he's one of my db risers as well um so i'll talk about him next you you've covered uh you've covered uh you know a lot of why 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 i like him um yeah he's 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 my he is my db18 um but you know he's rising and rising rising fast um one one thing i really like about him this year under uh big fangio is um his his usage um so we're used to seeing him play in that that sort of much deeper role in in the last couple of years and and He's, that's kind of limited his tackle opportunities. He was in a deep role in uh, 71.9% of his time in 2021 and 70% in, in 2022. This year, he's only spent 46% of his time lined up deep. And instead, he's being used in the slot and in the box much more often, which is really helping him produce the the tackles that we talked about, you know, double-digit tackles in, in both games so far this season. Um, I think the early returns... 
have been encouraging and and you know i know he won't be as productive every week uh dbs are volatile say the same every week i i fancy him to to be a much more consistent performer um than we've seen in in years past with uh, a much safer floor um i do wonder whether it's going to sort of adversely affect some of the big plays that he would make in coverage you know he was a a fairly reliable source of interceptions and pass breakups um but i'm i'm being super picky i'd much rather have that safe weekly floor totally and you mentioned like all of those snaps that he's playing closer to the line is that because of holland as the player has improved and progressed to that or is that because the the dolphins are without brandon jones right now like if when jones finally gets back in the mix you know they got deshaun elliott they're they're playing safety and he's much more of a, a natural free safety is it out of necessity that he's playing towards the line or is he just improved as a player and earned that right that role I, I don't I have think, the right answer. I'm just this spitball in here. If anything, Elliot might be playing a little further back um, than than Holland um, as the as the deeper safety. So yeah, I'm not complaining. I've got more of Holland than I have of, of Elliot. Um, and right. Elliot's been no slouch himself. On on that point though, um, about uh, about Jones, Brandon Jones, I am I am slightly disappointed. Uh, you know, he was like a bit of a favorite of mine in years gone by. Um, couldn't be relied upon to play a full a full 16 games full 17 games each season but uh yeah he, he's one of those guys that you could always rely on him to play you know like like holland is doing uh, maybe even more so than holland actually really really close to the line of scrimmage and really 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 like good supply of uh, of tackles but you know we have to move on especially with that linebacker core, which is kind of like looking for an identity. You know, obviously you guys mentioned it last week on the show with like David Long just kind of being like, you know, they signed him to this deal and they barely used them and they just kind of got this weird rotation of like a baker and, you know, just not sure. And I, you know, like that, that role that both Holland and Jones had played, it was kind of almost like that, that second or third linebacker at times for him. So I think that that's a, a benefit to them and scoring. So yeah, yeah. It, though interesting to see long snap share increase so much from week one to week two, but not at the expense of of Baker. I, c- I can't wait to see what happens in in week three. I didn't expect that. Um, slight tangent. To- I just didn't didn't expect Baker to be the every down guy. Expected it to be long. Um, and again, didn't expect Long's snap share to increase so much from week one to week two. He's in the eighties, I think, in week two. So he's kind of back on my radar a little bit. We need to get your boy Phillips back and healthy back on that line because I think they kind of shuffled some things around. Didn't they have like Van Ginkle or something playing a little more of the Phillips role and that kind of rotated long? Yeah, it's just a... Yeah, and yeah, you're right. And I think that's possibly the reason why Long played so many snaps as an off-ball linebacker uh, in, in week two in place of... Uh, what Van Ginkle was doing, where he plays like, like you say, he was he was playing on the edge almost full time in place of uh, in place of Phillips. So that um, that's that's got to be the reason, really. Be interesting to see again what happens in week three if Phillips is back. I know he's still, I think he's still questionable. So he he, he was just just healthy enough to uh, to secure a win for the Dolphins against my Chargers, and he's been out since. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, your next defensive back. Who are you keen uh, on week three? Yeah, the next guy I'm really high on is Jesse Bates, uh, formerly of the Cincinnati Bengals and now of the awesomely hot Atlanta Falcons. All of a sudden, their, their team is playing well. I think that creates a lot of opportunity for him on the back end. He's just always one of those ball-hocking safeties that always finds a way to come up with big plays. Um, he's got a, 
14 tackles already on the season. He has two interceptions, a forced fumble. He's just kind of doing it all for that defense that's very young. And I think they're kind of looking for like a little veteran leadership. And I think he kind of relishes that role after kind of being like cast aside in Cincinnati. He's kind of looked at this as like, this is this is an opportunity for me to show not only the Bengals, but the league like, hey, you guys made a mistake. Let's look what we can do here. Um, he's one of the highest graded safeties in He's the highest graded safety with uh, safeties that have more than 25 snaps. He's a he's a mid DB two in a lot of places. Um, I think he should be a lot higher than that. His matchup this weekend against Detroit. Uh, Detroit's going to throw a lot. I'm not really sure if their running back situation is going to look like if Montgomery's out. If um, Montgomery is out, I can see him going to a lot of pass plays. Um, so I just think that that's a, a great matchup for Bates this weekend. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like you say, he's. He's not only playing really well, he's also being really productive. That that week one performance in particular was was just just, just special, wasn't it? Um, mm. Yeah, he's, you know, he's not a guy who's going to keep up with the the leaders at the position in tackle in most years anyway. Typically, because he plays so deep, but he's always been a threat to come up with uh, you know three or four interceptions every year uh, and a solid number of pass breakups and. Um, you know, those trends seem to be continuing this year. Um, but yeah, I, I love the call. I moved him up from my uh, DB19 in week two to my DB15 uh, spot in week three after after his fast start. You know, long may it continue. Uh, my next DB that I like is uh, Kavon Wallace. Um, so he is my he's my safety 50 db 63 one behind Ajarius sneed and one ahead of alohi gilman um why so we, we know buddha baker's placed on ir with a hamstring injury and he'll miss at least the next four games um and on the basis of what we saw last weekend uh wallace is set for an expanded role in in baker's absence he played every down spent an incredible 72% of his snaps either in the box or on the defensive line. And the results were promising. You know, he finished with eight tackles and, and two QB hurries. Um, I still have him ranked pretty low because I need to know that he's going to retain that role. Um, but he's definitely one who we could see rise pretty sharply in future weeks if his usage continues. Yeah, he was always one of my favorites when he was in Philadelphia. I, he was always my guy that I would like stash at the end of the season, just thinking like, this is the year he's going to hit. This is the year he's going to hit, and he never really hit. And then I finally let him go, and then he grew his wings in Arizona, and finally got a chance to fly. So I like that call. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't expect him to be uh, to be to be playing. Um, so yeah, he's been on no one's radar. I think don't think anybody expected him to be playing uh, as as big a role, and certainly not the kind of role that he's playing. You know who can foresee these injuries happening to some of these star players? Real, real shame what's happened to 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 Buddha Baker, but uh, you know we roll along. Even before the injury, he was getting a, quite a few like a good run. Like week one, he was playing pretty well, and then obviously week mm. two, and then when Buddha went down. But I mean, he was getting some play even in week one, and I kind of had him on this like watch list as far as like potential ads. And all of a sudden, week two hit, and then the Buddha Baker stuff hit, and I was like, he's a slam dunk right now. Like especially especially in that defense that's kind of void of a lot of talent after they traded away Simmons and, you know, Xavier Collins moved from linebacker to the defense. So there's there's definitely an opportunity for, for tackles there. So, 
yeah yeah like i say it started fast in that sense so um yeah definitely one to uh to add uh to your waivers um and you know it could be a very very rewarding starting option down the line um so fades who who are you uh who are you out on at the defensive back position who don't you like um i'm kind of out right now on harrison smith um, again, again, I'll just like kind of the theme of the night, playing a ton of snaps, just not being very productive in those snaps. And, and it's kind of sad, the fall from grace that Smith has had, like he was a mm-hmm. perennial top 12 defensive back. Like he was a, he was a set it and forget it type of player. And he's, he's more just like, forget it now than he is anything else. He's played 142 snaps. He only has eight combined tackles. He's clearly getting outplayed by both Cameron Bynum and Jot Metlis. Um, he's looking old. He's clearly lost his step. He has three missed tackles already on the season where he only had 10 all of last season. Um, so he's he's clearly playing there. Uh, this offseason, he was a possible cut or trade candidate. And if the Vikings season continues the way it is, um, they might be, you know, like looking to the future, he might be like a, a trade or a cut just to, to kind of move towards the future. I know a lot of places have him still ranked as the in a DB1 range just because of the name and like the history, but um, anything close to like DB3, late DB3, early DB4, I'm kind of out on him. So he's almost unstartable. It's, it's gotten so bad. I tried to trade him for fifth and fifth and sixth round picks in my leagues and getting rejected for that. So <laughs> kind of just shows where he's kind of fallen from. Yeah, another good call. Um, and it pains me, it kind of pains me to admit it. Um, you know, sounds like you're in a similar boat, Smith being one of my my favorite safeties for for many years that sort of do it all safety um really 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 good player in his uh, in his in his prime but uh, like you say he's not playing at the level that we're used to seeing and he's not being as productive as 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 we've got grown used to over the years um he's dropping in my rankings um he will probably drop further um and like you say it's just it's fair to fair to wonder whether age is just just catching up with him what what is he now 30 34 35 yeah, I, yeah, for sure he's thirty-three. He probably, yeah, he probably is thirty-four, thirty-five. That's okay. Yeah, he seems like he's been in the league forever. As a Packer fan, I've watched him terrorize the Packers for a number <laughs> of years, and so yeah, there were some. Even he goes back to the Brett Favre days, so that just kind of tells you. <laughs> no, I'm not that that far, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's sad to see, but you know, uh, age catches up to us all. Um, so my first DB fade is is a guy I had uh, I mentioned last week, but I and I'm cheating a little bit by mentioning him for the second week in a row. Um, but I, I want to talk about him because he's one of the biggest talk talking points in IDP this year, and things have gone from bad in week one to even worse in in week two. Uh, so it's Jeremy Chin. Uh, I've actually got him unranked now. Couldn't believe I'd be saying that after two weeks of the uh, of the season, um, but he's the biggest faller for me, um, unrelated to an injury, at the position uh, this week. Um, as I kind of pointed out last week, the signs have been there for a while, going all the way back to the preseason. In week one, he had a seventy three percent snap share, uh, which was fewer than both uh, Von Bell and Xavier Woods. And last week, he played only thirty five percent of the available snaps. I, had to, I did a kind of a double take when I saw it. Um, so yeah, I mean, unless either of the guys ahead of him suffers an injury, um, Chin just can't be started and and should not even be rostered outside of the the deepest dynasty leagues. Um, he's still second 
on the team for time spent in the slot, but the favoured option in that role appears to be <laughs> like 31-year-old Troy Hill, um, uh, who played under, interestingly, played under Evero in the past. So there's that familiarity level there with uh, with Hill. Um, it just looks like, like Chin's become, yeah, it's, it's a guy that you just cannot roster even anymore. Massive fall from grace. Yeah, what a fall from grace that is. Like two years ago, he was like, he was going as the DB1. He has a hybrid role as a linebacker. He was like, he could have got a King's Ransom for him. And now it's like you said, he's just like almost unrosterable. Yeah, Um, I don't have the... um... The ADP from uh, from those uh, those best balls that we did um, with the IDP show, um, but I yeah I, I'd be amazed if he wasn't one of the top twelve safeties being taken uh, on average um, before the season started. Even after what we saw in the preseason, even in those drafts that we did after the actual preseason games, it's yeah it's 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 shocked a lot of people. Um, but here we are. It, opportunities go to other people. Yep. And I think that goes, you know, a lot of these guys that we mentioned tonight on our fades, it's a lot to do with name recognition, where it's the name that they tie that past production to. And they're like, they're just kind of hitching their wagon to those those players that, oh, last year they were really good. And, you know, defensive side of the ball changes way faster than the offensive side of the ball in fantasy. And so, you know, you really got to be you got to be on it to be competitive year after year, because, you know, the guys that were relevant last year, last week might not even be so this year's or this week so yeah absolutely speaking of not being relevant this one's going to be i'm going to have to duck when i say this name but uh my next db fade is kyle hamilton and again he's he's one of those guys that like was highly touted you know really high draft capital coming out of notre dame um landed in an ideal spot the the ravens moved on from chuck clark it was like here's the king to the castle this is all you you know and he was probably going you know, in those best ball drafts, like you mentioned, easily top 10 defensive back. And here we are two weeks into it, and he has 136 snaps, which is great, but only six combined tackles. You know, it's kind of really surprising that he can be in the role that he is in and not be productive or more productive. Um, Geno Stone, who is the other safety in the, for the Ravens, is actually outscoring him, and he's actually scoring grading-wise better than um, Hamilton is at the moment. So I think this prov- provides a great buy opportunity from Hamilton right now. If you know, if you have the owner who's frustrated with him, who's like, you know, you know, he has eight points so far in Big Three scoring through two weeks, and so I think it, you know, if there is a buy window on a, a player like this, and you and you think that he's going to be able to turn around, and you. You, you feel that the pedigree is there and the team investment is there, you know, this might be your chance to, to, to buy low on a, a really impactful player going forward. Yeah. You know, I, I was one of those guys. I, I, I was one of those guys. I had him in my top five safeties coming into the year uh, based on what we saw towards the back end of last year. And like you say, there's opportunities opening up for him with the team trading away other players at the position. Um yeah, he's he's fallen already in my rankings, um, and will continue to do so unless unless things change pretty pretty fast. There is a there is a glimmer of hope in the sense that, like you say, he's playing every down. Still, they're not going to drop him anytime soon. Um, and I do kind of like his matchup against the Colts this weekend, whether uh, Anthony Richardson can play or not. Um, yeah. I'm just really sad. I'm just really sad about it. You'll have to give me a moment to just kind yeah. of reflect on uh, on what we're not seeing from Hamilton. Again, it's been only two weeks. Um, 
But yeah, going back to your point a moment ago, I'm more agile, more reactive with my evaluation uh, and view on defensive backs than I am for any other position in IDP. Um, so while it has only been two weeks, uh, yeah, I've got no 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 qualms in, in dropping him in my rankings. And um, yeah, let's just hope he can put it all together again very soon. Do you still value him as like a dynasty asset? at the position like I, I know it's really volatile and you know that's like the the in in fantasy football it's the most turned over position from year to year but do you still value him as like a uh, an asset or a, a cornerstone at the position going forward i wouldn't say cornerstone and and it kind of my my i i never trade for any safety there's just so many of them um there's so many safeties, and and if you're combining CBs and uh, DBs, and there's 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 even more uh, startable options every week. Even in really deep leagues, you can always find somebody, and that that replacement value from a from a Kyle Hamilton to somebody else is that the, the drop off is never that great. You know, we're talking about uh, Troy Hill a minute ago. You know, who who saw him <laughs> playing a playing a role uh, coming into coming into this this season? Kevon Wallace. You know, these guys. Even if you don't end start the year with with enough DBs, enough good startable DBs, you can pick them up real real quickly. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, as a dynasty asset, uh, I'd be I'd be more than happy to trade away Hamilton now. But that's as much about the fact he is a DB as it is about the fact he's not playing well. Um, to be honest with you, though, if I had him, I'd probably keep him, wait for him to um, round back into form again, and then probably look to trade him away when his, when his value's recovered a little bit. And then now, who is your last fade? Yeah, it's it's Roddy McLeod. Um, he's he's now unranked. Uh, so he hasn't. He, he well, I say he's now unranked. Technically, he hasn't actually fallen in my rankings at all because I had him outside the top seventy-five in week two. But I wanted to mention him um, as I was considering and placing him in my rankings for week three until I saw his usage last week. Uh, he played every down in week one. Um, but Thornhill, one Thornhill, returned from a calf injury to play every down in week two and with uh grant delpit occupying the other role it meant that mcleod is the or was the the odd man out um i kind of failed to to make a note of his snap share but it was in the in the 30s um i believe um you know he's one of those guys who's been a, been a really good coverage safety throughout his career and uh in fact just last year uh, arguably his best best season um in his 30s but but thornhill's younger He's got a multi-year contract, and you know he's no scrub himself as a as a deep safety. I think I think the role is his to keep, and McLeod's really an afterthought at this point. And it's kind of interesting too because the mess that's the Cleveland Browns linebacking core right now, you'd think they would need someone else to step up and do some do something on that defensive side of the ball, and for him not to be able to make an impact, even with you know between Walker and JOK, you know there, there's just opportunity there but he's clearly not seizing advantage of it so no yeah like you say i mean there's an argument to say maybe del you know delp is playing in the box quite a lot maybe he should be playing in the box even more with mcleod and thornhill on the back end but mm -hmm. you know what what the hell do i know i'm not a defensive coordinator <laughs> so uh, well, these guys you, and the, these you guys. and the bears defensive quarter have something in common now so you both don't have a job <laughs> <laughs> very true very true um do you have any other dbs you wanted to mention before we wrap things up jeff 
Uh, no, I, I'm totally in agreement with you. Like, just like always fade defensive backs. Like you said, they're they're a dime a dozen. Um, every year there's a turnover. You know, there's those those Nate Hobb cornerbacks who were playing in the slot that you can just get for for nothing a week into the season. And you know, he's just one of those guys that just is going to keep putting up stats. And why why waste investment and capital for your team on you know like a Kyle Hamilton when you can have a Nate Hobbs for free and he's tripling his scores you know at the moment right so absolutely and i just uh, as you said that i just realized i i i told a lie in the sense that i never trade for a defensive back i <laughs> i did trade for derwin james in in one league i i gave up what was a, a at the time it was like a 2024 late second round pick for for james in one league but that's because he's my my favorite player in the league so i allowed myself a little luxury a little luxury trade um yeah, I, I I haven't regretted it. He is probably, you know, DBs for me are super replaceable, but, you know, he's my number one in my DB rankings, not only because I think he's my favorite player in the league, um, but also because he's he's the best at the position for me uh, and, and the most and the most productive. And very consistent, too. He's one of, like, two defensive backs that have been able to repeat top 12 scores in back-to-back years. You know, and surprising, the other one is Jordan Poyer. Like, like you probably could win a few few uh, well in your case a couple pints um at the bar where you're you know who would be the two defensive backs to repeat you know a lot of people think oh it's got to be like jamal adams and you know stuff like that but it's actually derman james and poyer are the only two to be able to repeat back-to-back seasons of top 12 production so like we said that turnover at the defensive back position is just all the more reason to fade it so yeah, I wouldn't have guessed. I wouldn't have guessed Poya actually. Uh, I'm not sure who I'd have gone with my second one, but that's a interesting fact to uh, to finish the show with, Jeff. Thanks for that. Um, you know, and with that, that that does bring us to the end of the show. Um, it's been a been an absolute joy having you with me tonight, Jeff. Your your insight is is second to none, uh, and I hope our, our listeners have have taken away some nuggets to help them win their week three matchups. Um, so would you mind just uh, just reminding, uh, telling our listeners where they can find you on on X and share a little bit about what you're doing in terms of, of content this year? Sure. Uh, yeah, you can find me on, on Twitter or X now. It's at boobam131. Uh, I did a lot of the kind of the preseason work. I did the IDP minutes and um, got a lot of lot of love from those and i enjoyed doing them that was kind of fun and so now i've kind of turned my attention to the waiver wire articles which is available on uh, on the website for the idp show on monday evening so you can get a head start on that and then also with the teaser video comes out on tuesday morning so yeah those uh, I, I told you a while back but those idp minutes were 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 awesome um, if you if people needed like a a real quick pit stop uh, update on the latest information that they might have missed. Um, then, then they was they were superb. And uh, the preview videos you're doing for the uh, for the waiver wire article as well, equally equally as good. So yeah, if you're not following uh, Jeff, then shame on you. Go and go and do it now. Um, and uh, and keep your eyes peeled for for his waiver wire article. Um, if any listeners want to follow me uh, on X, you can find me at Jace Abbey. And the, the full rankings we've touched on today are available to subscribers on the IDP show substack at theidpshow.com. Um, a huge thanks to, to everyone who's tuned in. Uh, it's always appreciated and good luck in week three. I'll be back again next week to talk week four rankings with Joseph Hagen, a.k.a. Joey the Tooth. For now, bye. This was the IDP After Show.